welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 65, Perfectionism. I, I'm laughing a little bit about this right now because I'm thinking about the book that I'm writing. And this is the perfect subject for me. And I hope it's the perfect subject for you too. Perfectionism. Oh my gosh. If there's one place where I could spin out, I could totally spin out. It's when I write something because it's so permanent. I feel like it has to be perfect. Have you ever felt that way? And yes, yes, I'm writing a book. I've been considering writing a book for a long time and I wasn't sure what form it would take. I had a lot of different ideas. And at one point I thought it would be, I would write for my family or it would be maybe even similar to the podcast. Like I would write something that's similar to the podcast. I I, I wasn't sure exactly what it would look like, but for a few months I've been, well, for a few years I've been considering writing a book, but over the last few months, I got started the tiniest bit, just kind of thinking more about it and considering it and, you know, trying to make some decisions on it. Then about five months ago, I got really serious about it and I began outlining and writing and brainstorming. And I even hired, I hired a service to help me learn how to self-publish. And then out of the blue, after I'd hired this service to help me with self-publishing, which I'm really actually really grateful for because that process really helped me to define what it was I wanted to do. And then I got an email from a publisher interested in my book. Pretty crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I sent them what I had. I sent them my outline. I sent the first couple of chapters that I'd written and they said, yes, and I have a contract. And the book will be out in July, this summer. I believe in a higher power. Like I truly believe in a higher power. I believe in God. And I believe that his hand was totally in this. When I look at what happened, the way everything lined up, you know, you can say God, you can say the universe, but it it's really remarkable for me to look back and see the preparation that had gone in before the publisher contacted me because honestly, if the publisher had contacted me even just a couple of months before when I hadn't actually dug in and started writing and started figuring it out, I wouldn't have been prepared. I wouldn't have been prepared at all. I would have had to pass that opportunity up and say, I'm sorry, I just don't even know what I want. But because I had already because I had already figured out what it was I wanted, like what, how it was going to look. And then talking to them just kind of fine tuned my thoughts about it. It's been miraculously interesting to watch it all fall into place. So if you feel so inclined, I would love it. If you would send me some good vibes, some prayers, whatever your style is, I'd appreciate it. I'm actually next week, I've blocked off a ton of time to focus on writing. And I'm hoping to have more than half of it done by the end of next week with what I already have. And that work, I will, I'll get a good chunk of it done. 
But I can tell you that perfectionism has raised its ugly head and it, it brings it up for real. When I'm working on a project like this, like even when I started working on the, the podcast, it was the same type of journey where I was trying to figure it out. And then I was just, you know, the ideas, the expectations that we put on ourselves. Also, as I work with clients, I'm conscious of making it clear that there's no perfect way to grieve. There's no doing grief perfect. There's no such thing. But you can definitely save yourself some additional pain by getting good information, by being curious about your thoughts and emotions instead of critical, by working with a specialist like myself that can help you navigate. But there's no doing grief perfect. So let's talk about perfectionism. What is perfectionism? I can't even say it. What is perfectionism? I love this explanation I found on psychologytoday.com. This is what they said. Perfectionism is a trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments or looks, a fast and enduring track to unhappiness and can lead to depression and eating disorders. What makes perfectionism so toxic is that while those in its grip desire success, they are most focused on avoiding failure. Failure. So there's a negative orientation. There's a negative orientation. They expect others' love and approval to be conditional on a flawless performance, end quote. And did you know also perfectionism is a health risk? I had no idea and started until I started looking at it closer. It's been linked to, to earlier death rates. It's, I don't, yeah, sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I maybe all the stress, I don't even know where that comes from, but it actually is a health risk. But let's look at that last line from psychologytoday.com. It says, they expect others' love and approval to be conditional on a flawless performance. I think this is the key to our perfectionism. It's an internalized concern. We're concerned. We're, we're worried. We're concerned about being loved and accepted. And you think, you think that if you can be perfect, which by the way is an impossibility, but you think that if you can be perfect, they have to love me. They have to accept me. Being perfect is absolutely impossible. I mean, think about it. It's impossible to even determine what constitutes perfection because what I would identify as perfect, you may think of as junk and vice versa. Like what I think is perfect, you may not think is perfect. And what you think is perfect, I may look at it and go, yeah, that's flawed. That's not perfect. I think we all show signs of perfectionism at some time or another. And I think it shows up in different ways for different areas of our life. But here's a few signs that you are experiencing perfectionism because sometimes we're not even aware. Number one is that all or nothing thinking. The all or nothing thinking. One of the most likely places that people experience all or nothing thinking is dieting. If you think about dieting, you know, let's say you decide you're not, you're going to go without sugar for a week and you last four days and then you eat a a brownie because you're at an event and you have these yummy brownies showed up and you weren't expecting that. And so you eat this brownie and then what happens? What do we do? 
we go, oh, I blew it now. And we give up on the whole thing. We give up on the whole thing. So even though there's been four days of eating no sugar, and on the fourth day, that fourth night, eat a brownie, all of a sudden, it's all out the window. That's all or nothing. Or if you set a goal, going back to dieting, let's say you set a goal to lose 10 pounds and you lose eight in that for six weeks. And then it's like, you can't even recognize, you can't even recognize your success because you're so concerned about the fact that you missed it by two pounds. You missed it by two pounds. And so you can't even enjoy the success that you did have. Another sign of perfectionism is completely unrealistic expectations. Completely unrealistic. I mean, we'll just go back to the 10 pounds. Let's say that you may, you, you say, I'm going to make, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in one week. I mean, it's just like unrealistic or one day or something crazy like that. Or let's say that you're a runner and you know, you, you just kind of picked up running and you've been running about a mile. And then all of a sudden you just go, I'm going to start running five miles a day instead of one mile. It's just completely unrealistic. So unrealistic expectations can also be a huge sign of perfectionism. I catch myself with this too. And I think there's a, there's a, a sense in our society that this is a good thing. Like, oh, you know, you got to reach for the stars so you can, you can, touch the clouds or however the saying goes, I botched it completely. But you know what I mean? It's like, set your expectations like way up here. And then if you don't quite reach those expectations, that's okay, because you will have at least reached this. But if you're experiencing perfectionism, and you reach for the stars, and you only hit the moon or the the clouds or, or wherever, then you can't even appreciate that. So completely unrealistic expectations. If you're, if you're constantly have expectations for yourself that you're missing over and over and over again, it's probably because it's unrealistic. You know, another way, another, one of the things that I did a few years ago was like, it's like, I, I like to read. And so I kind of set this goal for myself to read so much in a month, read so much in the year and so forth. And, and I got bogged down in the, just the, the reporting and the goal itself. And instead of really appreciating the reading, which I did, like I, I enjoyed it, but it was my focus became on how much could I read and how often and how many books could I get in and so on and so forth. So I've dropped that altogether. Like I don't even have an expectation of how many books I'm going to read in a year. I don't even keep track of how many books I read in a year. And and frankly, for me, I don't even read a book from cover to cover. I, I A lot of times I'll pick up a book and I'll read the sections that are most interesting to me. I mostly read nonfiction. So I'll read what's interesting to me and then that book will go away and something else will ca- catch my interest. But even when I used to read fiction books, I I would get into a book and I'd get Oh, a certain amount. Of, and, and even if it was, you know, I've read the half the book, then I'd feel like I had to finish it. I had to finish it because I started it, but you don't have to finish it. You can actually, if you, if you're not enjoying it, you know, why are you reading it? Like if you're not enjoying it, stop reading it. Procrastination is another huge sign of perfectionism. And why is procrastination a sign of perfectionism? Because 
when we feel like we have to do it perfect, then we don't even want to start. We don't even want to start because we have to do it perfect. And if there's a sense or a fear that we're going to fail, that we can't do it perfect, then we're going to put it off. We're just not going to do it. One of the other signs of perfectionism, which I think is a really key indicator, is our criticism of others and ourselves. Being critical is a sign of perfectionism. And sometimes we can notice that we're being critical of others before we even notice how critical we're being with ourselves. But if you're being critical with others, I can guarantee you like 99.99999% chance that you're being critical with yourself. Those things go together. So if you find yourself constantly criticizing other people, I found myself in this loop for a long time. I would see somebody and I, well, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how it would show up, but I would just have these thoughts about the way somebody should have done something, which is completely, completely not valid. Like I don't get to decide how people are going to show up. I don't get to decide whether or not they're going to be on time or five minutes early or five minutes late. It's not my decision. It's not my concern. And, and I'm in other people's business, but if I'm being critical with other people, chances are pretty dang good that I'm being critical with myself. And the more love and acceptance I show myself, the more love and acceptance I see in other people. It's really interesting the way that works. But if you find yourself being critical and thinking things like they should have done X, Y, or Z, or they shouldn't be wearing that, or why did she say that? Or why did he say that? If you find yourself being critical of others, it's a sign of perfectionism because the huge chances are if you're being critical with others, you're being critical with yourself, you're trying to measure up and you want everybody else to measure up to. And all this, all this perfectionism, all this all or nothing thinking, all these unrealistic expectations, the procrastination, the criticism, all this causes stress and unhappiness. You're never satisfied. You're never satisfied because the standard is so high and unrealistic, it can't possibly be met. And your focus is solely on the outcome. You're looking for results, right? So all of that, like I said, causes stress and unhappiness. So what can we do to change change the direction? How can we overcome? How can we turn off the perfectionism? And I have some ideas I'm going to share with you. But the first one is take another look at your expectations. What's truly realistic? You know, like I mentioned before, if you're constantly missing the mark, first of all, celebrate your successes, celebrate what you did accomplish, celebrate what you are doing, celebrate those things. But if you're, if you feel like you're constantly missing the mark, then chances are your expectations are completely unrealistic and it would be wise for you to get some feedback. Ask a friend, ask yourself why. I think this is a huge question. Why, why do I do what I do? Why am I doing this? What am I hoping to accomplish? 
really identify why you have the expectations you have in the first place. The second thing is you can experiment with not being perfect. Experiment with not being perfect. For example, you know, giving, I like when I send out emails to you guys, hopefully you're getting my emails, but I, when I send out emails to your, you guys, I can totally, totally get in the spin of perfectionism and read and reread and adjust and readjust and so forth. But if I give myself a limit, if I, you know, if I say I, I've got 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is to do this, then when, when I have done it and it makes, you know, at least makes some sense, and I can just send it off and, and not be caught up in having to make it perfect. Number three is adopt the attitude of good enough is good enough. It kind of goes along with the same idea, right? So I kind of have to adopt that attitude, right? When I'm writing the email and I've got a 15, 30 minute, whatever the window of time is that I've given myself and I get to the end, I'm like, that's good enough. That's good enough. But here's the big thing. All of those suggestions for overcoming perfectionism are pretty much equivalent to saying you're a perfectionist, so stop being a perfectionist. It's like trying to talk you out of being a perfectionist. But I don't, I don't know if, I don't really know if that's helpful in the long run. A lot of what underlies perfectionism, as I look at it, our perfectionism is really coming from creating a standard for ourselves that we think that we think is going to make us acceptable to other people. And what underlies that? What underlies that is not feeling good about ourselves. If you don't feel good about yourself, if you don't feel good about yourself, then you're going to be constantly trying to measure up. You're you're constantly trying to figure out what everyone else wants, not what you want. You're constantly trying to figure out what everybody else wants, what everybody else expects. And, and the, these are perceived ideas. Like you, you may not even know it. You may not even be asking your husband, your spouse, your, your children, your aunt, your uncle, your neighbor, whoever. You may not even be asking them what they want or what they expect, but you, you have in your mind, you've got a perceived idea of what it is they want and you have to provide it. You have to provide it perfectly. So you can be loved and accepted. And I am telling you right now that that will never work. I, I always love, like, think about the person that you know who is uninhibited. They are free to be who they are. They express themselves freely. They know who they are and they own it and they express themselves freely. They aren't worried about meeting someone else's perceived expectations. There's something so humongously, hugely attractive about someone like that. And you think about that and we kind of long to be that. And the bottom line is you must build love and acceptance in yourself. Loving and accepting yourself is a practice. It's something that you practice. But when you build love and acceptance in yourself, you are going to show up with love and acceptance, not only for yourself, but for everyone. You have to be determined. You have to be determined to value yourself, to be kind to yourself, to practice self-kindness, to practice 
self-appreciation. This is the bottom line. When we can love and accept ourselves, we no longer, we no longer have to be, have to be searching, searching for what other people want, looking for the expectations and trying to rise to the standard of perfection. We don't need that anymore. When we love and accept ourselves, we can drop all of that. But how do you practice something like that? How do you practice self-kindness, self-appreciation? How do you practice valuing yourself? You create a mantra. And I, it is, it's so simple. It really is so simple. And yet we don't do it. You create a mantra as simple as I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. I want you to say it with me right now. I love and accept myself. And you paste it everywhere. And you repeat it in your mind. You repeat it out loud several, even hundreds of times a day. You might have a different mantra that fits you. You might, you might say something like, I am valued. I am enough. I am whole and always have been. That last statement has been one of my favorites recently. I am whole and always have been. You are whole and always have been. You can, you can check in with someone on your goals. You can experiment with not being perfect. All those other ideas. You can start practicing. This is good enough. You can do all of that. You can do all of that. But if there's one thing to focus on, it's this creating an affirming mantra and start to practice it over and over and over again. Practice, practice, practice. That one thing will make such a huge difference. It will make all the difference. Guaranteed, when you believe that with your whole heart and your whole soul, when you believe it because it's true, what you do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose the 10 pounds or you run the five miles or you read five books in one month. None of that matters because you are whole and you always have been. You are valued. You are enough. And you can bet, you can bet I'll be practicing that this very next week. While I'm working on my book, I'll, I'll have a mantra like my favorite right now, which is I am whole and always have been. I am whole and always have been. Because it doesn't matter if my book is bad or good or horrible or great. I am whole and I always have been. And so are you. Thanks for joining me today. What's your ahas today? What did you take away from today's episode? I would love to hear. You can visit me at buildalifeafterloss.com. And remember to subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get the new episode each Wednesday. And be sure to leave us a review. We love seeing your reviews. As a grief coach, I can lead you around the pitfalls and help you to stay on the path of hope and healing. You can schedule your free discovery session today at buildalifeafterloss.com. Remember, I believe in you. I really, truly do. Talk to you next week. Bye.